Heidi and I are honored and blessed to be really a reflection of your love and life in the nations of the world. And so for those of you who've sown, my goodness, my heart's just overwhelmed uh, for the kindness that you have in your heart. Maybe your, maybe your kindness and, 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 and mercy and, and love is everlasting too, just like God's, huh? Because uh, you're in him, he's in you. And uh, what a joy to, uh, to help the nations of the world. So uh, we love you. Before you're seated, why don't you greet two or three people, look them in the eye and say, you're really looking good today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, friends, uh, as, uh, as it was mentioned, we do have a little uh, magazine back on the back table. It's called Nations. It highlights the six campuses we have around the world. And as you saw in the video, this uh, Middle East Life Center, that uh, is our newest and really most uh, overwhelming natural project that I've ever had my heart attached to. But you know, when the Lord gives you an assignment, your only responsibility is to cooperate. Faith is really a cooperation with His love for you to believe, indeed, that uh, He wants to use you for a certain facet to display His goodness and grace. And that's what we're doing now in the heart of the Middle East, and it's so very, very exciting. Uh, even with all of the turbulence now in Syria, a lot of the refugees are coming over into Lebanon. We're reaching out to a lot of them. And uh, other... Uh, actually, we have uh, refugees actually living at the, at the campus now uh, from Egypt and surrounding Arab states because of all the uh, just struggle and trouble of that region of the world. So we're excited to share the love of the Father and just hundreds and hundreds of people are giving their lives to Jesus. I find it easier to share in Beirut, Lebanon, the gospel and people respond to the love of the Father than I find it in Orange County or Los Angeles County. And, you know, I think it's just beautiful when people really understand the revelation of how good God is. And most people don't know it. Just like a beautiful lyrics of the songs, the worship team, and, of course, the young lady who just sang, My goodness, I'm the love of the Father. Yeah, I tell people that God loves you completely. There's no disappointment in Him concerning you. See, most of us don't know how to think that way because we always think that we have to qualify to gain His love or His favor or His approval or His acceptance. But really, God sees us through the finished work of Jesus. And we need to understand this morning that God loves you completely. Now, you may have had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, or a bad year, but it doesn't change the truth that God loves you completely. You have made, maybe have made mistakes, maybe have been frustrated, maybe you got angry, maybe did something stupid, maybe have failed, maybe have fallen, maybe have sinned. Whatever it is, it's okay. I want you to rest in the presence of the Lord today and let God love you completely. This really, I think, is the message that God's given Heidi and I. In fact, in a few months, Heidi and I celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Isn't that wonderful? And Heidi still looks like she's 39. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But, uh, you know, when we started in the ministry together, we went to Bible school together in Oklahoma. In fact, that's where I first met Pastor Mike and, and, and Beth before they were actually married. And I knew them from a distance. They were serving in the ministry there in a more prominent way. But uh, uh, Heidi and I, we got married and we, we moved overseas. We spent our first year of marriage in the nations of the world. And... Uh, throughout Africa, throughout the Middle East, we came back to America and bought an old car for $3,600. And I drove around America for six months. I said, Lord, let people know I have something in my heart for the nations. And God was always so good. We always had gas in the car. Always had food to eat, place to stay. And now you look over years and you see God's good. He loves us completely. Did you think you were going to come to church today to see an old man cry? Praise the <laughs> Lord. But aren't you glad an old man still can cry? But God's faithful. He's faithful. Praise the Lord. So anyway, I'm going to preach to you this morning on the love of the Father. In fact, I want to talk to you about being loved. I want to, I want to share with you 
the theme of the video, be loved. You know, the Bible teaches that you and I are accepted in the beloved. But most of us don't know how to take our place there because we don't know how to be loved. I think the main assignment, the daily duty really of a believer is to be loved by the Father. Because, see, your faith works by love. Not your love for Him, but His love for you. If you're always struggling in how to love God and always, you know, frustrated with yourself and judging yourself because you don't love God enough, you have the wrong paradigm. You'll always be disappointed in yourself when you're measuring yourself towards the Father. What you need to do is use the new covenant concept where we love Him because... He first loved us. When you focus on Him loving you, your love for Him becomes reciprocal. It becomes natural. It becomes who you are. So what I've done here in the last couple years is had my focus on God's love for me. And it's absolutely given me an acceleration of my love toward the Father and how to cooperate with His assignments and callings in my life. Because unfortunately in the world today... Everybody's worldview of God is somewhat, is somewhat different. What I mean, everybody doesn't think God is really that good. Most people are really afraid of God. They think God's going to get you. They think God sits in heaven with a long list of what you do wrong, like he looks out over the human race and he keeps track of where you've missed the mark and he's going to zap you, you know. And he's going to get you. He's going to judge you. But really, God is so good and so loving. And we need to understand that we have access to him through the finished work of Jesus. Let me explain a little bit what I mean. Go with me, if you would, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And while you're turning, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your life in us. We are the redeemed of the Lord, so we say so. We say by faith. We're not nervous about nothing. We're not afraid of the past. We're not afraid of the future. Jesus, you're Lord of all. I thank you for what you're doing in this place, Foothill Family Church. I thank you for Pastor Mike, for Beth, the entire ministry team here. I thank you for every family, every individual that's planted in this place to be loved and receive the living word of God's goodness and grace in each of our lives. Let every heart find help and hope this day. Let there be a manifestation of your goodness and grace, miracles, um, meeting the needs of the people in this place. We thank you in advance for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 8, Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Let's pause just for a moment and talk about these guys. Now, in the Old Covenant, the Jewish people who had a covenant with God, their fellowship with the Father, their blessing from the Father was based strictly up to their ability to perform properly. Now, in their covenant, if they could do all that was written therein, they were blessed. But if they missed in one point, they were cursed. The problem with the old covenant was it was built and based on your ability to perform right according to what was written therein. So you got the blessing if you could do it all. But if you missed the mark, it had an attachment in the covenant. And the attachment was a curse. How many of you have ever received an email from somebody that you did not know and it had an attachment? And you think to yourself, now wait a minute. Do I want to open this attachment? Because it could be a virus. It could disrupt your whole system, your whole operating system, your whole life. So you kind of have a reservation about attachments. The old covenant had an attachment for those who couldn't perform properly. So it was kind of a bummer living with the burden of always trying to perform properly because it always kept sin on your conscience. You never thought you were good enough to qualify for the love of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God, the healing of God. And so these shepherds, you know, they were, they were, they were, you know, working the night shift, right? They had a job, thank God, but it was the night shift. But they were, they were Jewish shepherds. They were under a covenant. But see, under that covenant, you don't really know if you want a visitation. It's like people today who don't understand really what Jesus has done on their behalf in terms of qualifying before the Father. If you don't understand that you're in Christ and God sees you through the finished work of Jesus, you never know if God shows up, if it's good news or bad news. That's why a lot of people even today don't really want God to visit 
or God to show up because they think God's got a long list of what's wrong with them. And so there's always fear and trepidation. And so look at the Bible says here in the next verse. They were keeping watch over the flock by night. Verse 9, behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Not just a little bit of fear. They were loaded with it. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. What I'm going to preach to you about today is for you, but it's for the one next to you. In fact, it's not only for folks in Orange County and L.A. County and California and USA, but it's for places like on the video. This is good news for all people. That means it's good news for good people, and it's good news for bad people. It's good news for, you know... uh, Americans, it's good for Lebanese, it's good, it's, good for, it's good for white people, it's good for black people, it's good for red people, it's good for, for every, every color of people, it's good for, it's good for Democrats, it's even good for Republicans, it's good for communists, it's good for socialists, it's good news for Hezbollah, it's good news for Hamas. This is good news for all people. Don't disqualify yourself because of yourself. What I'm going to share with you about you may shock you. Because God's goodness to you is so overwhelmingly exciting, it takes faith to find your place in Him. But that's all it takes. A believing heart. Responding to an invitation to follow me. And I will make you. That's what Jesus said. Follow me, and I will make you. So this is good news of great joy to all people. You know, it's, it's good news for the tea party. It's good news for the Starbucks party. Those, I got my wife Starbucks this morning. I just wanted her to know that it's even good news for her. Okay, praise the Lord. Moving, moving right on. Look, look at verse 11. It says, For there is born to you, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, Who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You're going to find this babe, this Savior, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, on earth, on earth, peace and goodwill toward. Everybody say toward. Toward men. What I like about this introduction of the ministry of the Messiah man. Jesus Christ, who is going to change the equation eternally for mankind. The way God dealt with man now is not on man's ability to do good or be good in terms of the performance to a covenant, but it was going to be based on the obedience of the one, Christ Jesus. So this announcement is good news for all people. And what it's going to do through Jesus Christ, there's going to be peace. There's going to be goodwill or favor toward men, not among men. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace among men. In fact, father and mother don't get along, brother, sister. You know, Jesus makes the statement among men. You can find today, you can mention the name of Jesus in your community. It doesn't bring peace among people. It agitates people. So Jesus has come not necessarily to bring peace among men, but he's come to bring peace toward men. From God's perspective, the whole human race has access to favor, wholeness, and goodwill because of Jesus Christ. The whole equation is changed. I like to tell people this. God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. He absolutely loves you unconditionally because of jesus why because jesus has come as the lamb of god for a new covenant or a new operating system your approval now with god is not dependent on your performance to regulation or an old law your approval with god is not found in yourself but your approval with god is now found in himself The one who performed perfectly, Jesus Christ. His obedience to the cross gives you righteousness with God. And it was illustrated this morning as the worshipers sang that last song and the encouragement came. 
We are righteous because of Jesus. Righteousness is not based on what you do. Righteousness is a gift that is granted through Jesus and his finished work. Go with me, if you would, real quick to Hebrews chapter 10. If Jesus has come to bring peace toward men from God, how does it work? Because usually when you talk to people about what Jesus has done, what was the purpose of of Jesus' life in the earth? You know, there's a lot of great verses. Jesus came to seek and to save those which were lost. Hallelujah. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's, that's powerful. You know, you know uh, Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. Awesome. That's true. But how is that all initiated? How is that triggered? Well, let's use Jesus' words. Look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. There's a conversation between Jesus and the Father, and the writer records it this way in verse 9. Then he said, Jesus said, Behold... I have come to do your will, O God. Let's pause. Jesus says to the Father, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. How many of you believe Jesus did the will of God perfectly? Yeah. He did a real good job of it. What was the will of God then in Christ for the earth arena? Look look, look at it was. It goes on in verse 9. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Now think about this. Jesus is talking about he came to do the will of God and he takes the human race out of a system of qualifying themselves with favor in goodness and love and acceptance and and, in everlasting life. And he puts them in a covenant, a new system, a new covenant that's based on his work. It's our faith in him that qualifies us eternally. Now think about this. If you were a shepherd boy working the night shift and let's say the economy is bad in those days, you were just glad you had a job. It probably wasn't the perfect job. Probably didn't pay enough. Probably had a lot of headache and heartache. Guys probably didn't like their boss, their foreman, whoever the rancher was or whatever, but they had a job. And yet they were living in a system where their qualification before the Father was all based on their ability to do right and be right. So when there's a visitation, my goodness, you shrink back. Because nobody performs perfectly. You know what I found about, about me and my humanity? On my best day, I can't qualify. You know, in the New Covenant, the Bible says if you know to do good and don't do it, it's what? What does the Bible say in the New Covenant? Whatever is not done of faith is sin, right? So sin isn't just breaking the, the, the codes or the laws of the old system. Sin is anything you're doing that's not in complete trust to Jesus in his work. So I find in my little world that sometimes I really look to self-sufficiency more than to God's sufficiency. None of you are like that. That's why I like you all so much. But sometimes in my life, I find I'm trusting in myself. I find when I'm working in the nations of the world, when I'm frustrated, I try to figure everything out myself. You know who gets really frustrated when I'm doing the work? Me. And everybody around me. I drive people nuts. When Keith is trusting in Keith, we're all in trouble. So, but the Bible says when you miss the mark, the Bible says... You know, these things just to remind you that on your best day, you can't qualify for favor before the Father except by faith. If this is you, the stick figure, this is God, and you're trying to gain your favor with the Father based on yourself, you're living disappointed because your mind will always condemn you. But faith puts you in Him. So now God sees you not based on yourself. He sees you based on himself. See, you are covered. You are in Christ. Like the old song, I'm covered over with a robe of of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. Jesus gives to me. You are in Christ. Faith puts you in him, puts him in you. This is the mystery that's been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we have to understand Jesus has come to do the will of God in the will of God for Christ in the earth was to take you out of the first system and put you in the second. He gets you in a whole different operating system, which is based on himself and not yourself. And if you can rest in his love for you, 
He takes you places you could never dream of. He gives you access to things you could never do on your own. It's awesome, his love for you. The, the new system is all about God the Father celebrating you. God the Father loving you. God the Father favoring you. God the Father forgiving you so you can rejoice. Why? Because of Jesus. And when you take your place in him and behold him and follow him, we're transformed to be like him because we're filled with his wonderful nature. You know, the old operating system, which uh, had some, some challenges for the human race, God, God put an end to. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God found fault with it in Hebrews 8, 7. Think of that. God found fault with that first system, so he gave a new system. It says it was obsolete in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. Have you tried to operate any software that's obsolete? It drives you nuts. You know, in our mutual faith offices here in America, we have a USA office in, in Mission Hills, California. We own a two-story office building, and second floor we use for mutual faith. The first floor we, we, we lease out to tenants. There's about nine tenants, a law firm, insurance company, di- different firms like this. And thank God the wealth of the world pays all the bills there and pays all the overhead and everything. So it's been a real blessing these last 15, 16 years that we've owned the building. But, but uh, I find that uh, technology now is designed to make you upgrade. We needed to get a new copy machine in the office, but it wouldn't work with our existing software. You had to upgrade everything and do everything. If you don't, if you don't have upgrades continuously in certain things, they'll run slow or they won't run at all, and it'll frustrate you. I remember I had a phone once that uh, wasn't working, it was dropping all the calls. So I took it to the, the, the store where I bought it, and I said, hey, my phone's not working. They said, they looked at it, ran some tests, said, Mr. Hershey, you've never upgraded any opera- uh, software. You're, you're operating on a system that's several years old. See, if you don't upgrade and find your position before the Father in Christ... If your position before the Father is always based on you, you will always live disappointed with yourself. In fact, you'll always be disappointed in people around you. Because they they can't perform good enough to to even qualify for you, let alone the Father. If it's all based on yourself and not himself, you'll always find struggle and trouble. And so there's a new operating system. And that's what the Bible says in Hebrews 7, 12. It said it takes a new system. New, new, a new way of doing things. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about. This to me is what be loved is all about. Finding favor with the Father, not based on myself, but based on himself. Go with me, if you would, to the book of First, actually Second Corinthians. And before I get to the actual reference, let me tell you a little story. I've just come back to the States. I was in Latin America. I was preaching in uh, three different nations. We had different mission teams down there in two different nations and had a lot of tremendous fruit and just thank, thank the Lord for his goodness and grace. And these, were, these were larger groups, and I usually fly in after they're there and different things. I don't fly with all the groups anymore, but periodically people want to travel with me. Sometimes different pastors travel with me, different, you know, people just have a heart. Uh, a few months ago, I was going to be in the Middle East at our center in Beirut, Lebanon. And uh, this precious man who's been to a lot of our centers around the world, he's about 80 years old. And uh, he was an engineer by trade in the last 10, 15 years. He, he just likes going places and working with his hands and helping people. And so he's been to many of our campuses around the world. In fact, he built our little center for our mutual faith TV station in in the Philippines. He's worked on our campus in Guatemala, you know, for the kids. He's been to Ghana where we built this center to to rescue women from Trikosi slavery. Been to a lot of places around the world and worked with us and just a precious brother. So he and his wife were having some fellowship with Heidi and I, and he said he wanted to go to the Middle East with me. And I said, sure, you're welcome, you know. And uh, so I, 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 I... allowed the the man to come with me but then he got a little nervous because things in lebanon can get a little little dicey so he and his wife were getting a little overwhelmed about all the news reports of all this stuff happening in the middle east and they wondered if it was going to be safe which is a good question so they came to talk to us i said listen my friend his name is floyd i said floyd listen if you want to go you're welcome 
If you don't want to go, if these stories disturb you, that's fine. I, I understand. No worries. But I'm, I'm going to go. But let me tell you this. If you choose to go, if you follow me, everything's going to be all right. But you have to follow me. See, this is the invitation Jesus gives you. And uh, I said, if you follow me through all the airports, you'll have a better experience traveling than you've ever had on your own. So he decided to go. Now, when I travel now, because I'm such a high level as a frequent flyer, I still buy coach tickets and cheap tickets and all these things, but I get, I'm qualified to get into all the executive lounges or first-class lounges, which makes your trip a little different. It, it, it's, it's more refreshing. Now, you know what, a, in an airport terminal, I drove by John Wayne yesterday. I haven't flown out of there for many, many years, but usually LAX or Burbank is where I fly out of. And, uh, but you go into a terminal, it's, it's kind of disruptive. It, it disturbs my spirit because everybody inspects you, huh? right? You always have people looking at you like something's wrong with you. We know you got something to hide. See, this is the way a lot of people think God is. They think God's, God's really inspecting them all the time. See, no, God inspected Jesus. God judged Jesus for all your sin and all the sins of the whole world. And the Bible says he, 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 uh, he did a thorough work, a once and for all redemption. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins against them. It's amazing what 2 Corinthians 5 talks about. But it's interesting. You go into a terminal. A terminal is like a word that we don't like. Terminal means like a connecting place or a place of destination. But it's also like a negative term. Like if you went to the doctor because you had a headache and the doctor inspects you and says, well, I got good news and bad news. The good news is, is you're alive. The bad news is you're not going to be alive very long. You have a terminal condition. You've got three months to live. You think, man, I just had a headache. Now he says, I'm terminal. See, terminal is the idea of hopelessness. See, the world is terminal. The Bible says those who are in this world, if you're apart from Jesus Christ, you are without hope in this world. You're terminal. If you don't find your identity through his love for you and you can't believe that he loves you completely and take your place accepted that God sees you through the finished work of Jesus, you'll always feel hopeless. You'll always be afraid of death. You'll be afraid of life. You'll be afraid of everything. But see, Jesus came to do something to qualify you eternally. So in the terminal, you go through and you're inspected. They pat me down. They, they check me out. But as soon as I get through all the inspection, you know what I do? I head straight to the club because I'm qualified. You know, when you get to in these airports, these doors automatically open many times. And you come on in. You know, it's suddenly a different atmosphere. It's in the world, but not of the world. It's in the terminal, but it's not of the world. It's a heavenly realm. They have nice music playing. You can eat, drink, and be merry. It's all complimentary. It's all courtesy. They help you. They call you by name. But when you go into the club, you're inspected. You go before a couple of people. You give your information they check a list to see if your name is written on the list they look up from the list and they say mr hershey welcome i say thank you very much i've qualified to be in that place however if floyd is with me mr floyd all i do is turn and say by the way this is floyd he's with me you know what they do they say mr floyd you're welcome they don't see him based on himself. They see him in me. See, before the Father, God sees you in Christ, with Christ. Your following of Jesus Christ eternally qualifies you before the Father. This is why it's good news for the whole world. This is why it's good news for all people that Jesus Christ, your faith to follow, qualifies you. I remember, you know, when we were traveling to the Middle East. We were actually making a plane connection in, in London at Heathrow. Let's just say by, by sake of illustration. Let's say Floyd is following me and he likes following me because he gets to places he doesn't, he doesn't belong. He doesn't get there because he's good. He gets there because I'm good. 
He gets there not because he qualifies. He gets in there because I qualify. All he had to do was follow. Let's say for sake of illustration that Floyd is following me and all of a sudden he begins to look other ways. You know it's easy to get distracted following Jesus. Yesterday we were coming down here and uh, some friends were with us and we we're going to have lunch in Orange County. And so we followed them. And you know if you get into some traffic out here on the 5 or the 405 and if you don't keep your eye on who you're following, you can get distracted and you can get lost that quick. See, if you're not looking to Jesus as your righteous position before the Father, if you're going to look to you, you're going to be disappointed in you. But if you look to Him, you become like Him. You flow where He's flowing. You're doing what He's doing. You're becoming who He is. And uh, let's say, by way of illustration, we're in London Heathrow, and I'm walking through the airport, and let's say Floyd gets looking around at all the lights, all the duty-free shops. Now, he thinks about his wife while he's looking at a whole selection of chocolates in a duty-free. You know, a duty-free shop's got some good things in there. It's not all bad. There can be bad things in there if used wrongly maybe, but it's not sin, but it's a weight. It's a distraction that keeps his eyes off me because I'm his access. I'm his favor. I'm his acceptance. He is, has everything he needs, not in himself, but in myself. So he pauses to buy some chocolates. He didn't want European chocolates. He wanted Hershey chocolates. I mean, no, he, he, wanted, he wanted... Anyway, he pauses to buy some chocolates. That was, that was a terrible joke, wasn't it? Anyway, let's say he's looking around. He buys some chocolates. Let's say, let's say he sees all the, 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 the cigarettes and the cigars and the liquor and in, in the magazines. Let's say he just glances at the magazines and he sees some pictures that put some, some maybe lustful thoughts in his mind. Example. Okay, this is just an example. So now suddenly he feels guilty. Oh my, I had a bad thought. So now he thinks he's out of fellowship with me. See, this is what happens to a lot of people in terms of their fellowship with God. They think that they qualify based on themselves. You never qualify based on yourself. I'm preaching good now. You qualify based on God's love for you in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, let's say condemnation comes because that's what the ministry of the law does, according to 2 Corinthians 3. The ministry of the law will bring you condemnation and death because you never can do it good enough. You never can because in that system that God found fault with, you just can't qualify. So he did away with that system and put in a system that you qualify based on the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. So let's just say he's feeling guilty and condemned. And then he says, where's Keith? And he, and he says, oh, Keith's gone. I went to where I belong, a heavenly realm. I went to the club. That's where my nature feels comfortable. That's where there's goodness and grace and kindness. No more self-inspecting. And so now he feels guilty and he's judging himself. This is what sometimes you and I do when we do something wrong or we didn't do something in faith or we knew to do good and didn't do good and then we get mad at ourselves. We say, oh, we're such terrible people. See, that's what the devil wants you to do. He likes you when you're chewing yourself up. He likes you when you think you're just no good and you're just dust. That's why the devil devours dust. And when the devil was cursed, he was going to eat dust. Never make yourself dusty. You're clean by the blood of Jesus. So he's condemned. He's overwhelmed. And he doesn't have enough faith to still believe that I accept him as he is. So he just wallows for a while longer. Ten more minutes pass. He finally has the nerve to get out his phone and call me. He says, oh, Keith, I'm such a terrible person. I say, hey, Brother Floyd, what's happening, my man? Bite your tongue. Oh, Keith, I did something terrible. I, I, I started out to be good, but I did something bad. I, I, I'm in a bad place. Floyd, it's okay. Just keep walking, brother. You know where I'm at. I'm at the club. In fact, I'm waiting for you at the club. I'm at the door of the club. In fact, I am the door. Huh? Jesus is the door. Just keep walking. See, faith is the courage to accept that you're accepted. And you need that when you feel you took your eyes off Jesus and weren't following comfortably. So what does faith, uh, Floyd do? He starts walking. He comes to the club. The door opens. I hug him. 
Floyd, my brother, great to see you. Now he still feels guilty. He tries to tell me whatever he's done was wrong. I say, Floyd, it's okay. Come on in. I accept you. I love you as you are. You just keep looking to me, and you'll be like me, and you won't have these distractions or things that hold you anymore. Just come on in. Do you know what I do when he comes on in? I turn to the judges in the club, and I say, hey, my friends, this is Floyd. He's with me. You know what the judges say? Welcome, Floyd. They don't inspect him. They don't know if he's good or if he's bad. They don't know where he's been. They don't know what he's done. They see him accepted in me. This is what God's love does for all of us. And this is why I love to announce the news in the nations of the world. I love to tell people because of what Jesus has done, follow him. Come to him. Take yourself, accepted him. Because in Christ Jesus, there's good news. There's peace and there's goodwill toward you because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we need to just understand that God's love for us is always that prominent and that dominant. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 18. See, our job is to point people to the one who performed perfectly, to the one who's been inspected and approved by God. But then the question is, okay, if you use the illustration like we just talked about with Brother Floyd, how does somebody change? How does, how does somebody who's, who's just attracted to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How do we help people who are always getting themselves consumed by, by, by things that, that pull them away from the place they need to be or pull them away from following Jesus? Well, look at the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, But we all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. But we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now think about this. This morning, I used a mirror. Can you tell? I, I, I looked at myself. Actually, I looked at myself first thing this morning, and I had bed head. I mean, I looked atrocious. But because I was such a wonderful husband, I went and got my wife a cup of Starbucks coffee. Right? But you know what I had to do? I had to pat my head down, pat my hair down. I had to at least look somewhat respectable, you know. And, uh, and uh, so I came back with the coffee. But then I actually showered. I cleaned myself and looked in a mirror. <clears throat> and this is why I'm as handsome as I am. <clears throat> and this is as good as it gets. Anyway, praise the Lord. But, but, you know, we all use a mirror. But when you, when you look to a mirror, what do you see? You see yourself. You see your face. See, your eyes have never seen parts of your face. Your eyes can't see down here. Am I telling the truth? Nobody's eyes have ever seen their whole face. You only believe what's in the mirror. And sometimes it's tough to believe, but it's true. <laughs> have you ever had one of these mirrors that make you look thinner? You go into certain stores and try on an outfit and say, my glory to God, I can go to dinner tonight. How, you know, you, because th th there's deceptive mirrors. How many know I'm telling the truth? Huh? There's mirrors that magnify or minimize or do different things that shape you differently that always don't tell you the truth of who you are. But a mirror gives you a reflection of your face. That's the only way you've seen your face. But the Bible says, now think with me, the Bible says we all, with an unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Do you know when you look to Jesus, when you look to the Lamb, when you see what He's done to qualify you out of an old system that's obsolete and drives you nuts, puts you in a system of unfailing love, that just takes your faith in Him and God sees you eternally righteous and just and holy and blameless. You know, when you look into the, the mirror of Himself, you see Himself as yourself. That's who you become. When you look to Jesus, He's like a mirror that doesn't reflect what's wrong with you. He reflects Himself to show you what's right with you. This is the beautiful thing about having all your attention and focus on beholding Him. Because when you behold him, you become like him. 
You're transformed. And in fact, that's what the next phrase says. Let's look at that next phrase. It says, and are being transformed. How are you transformed? By looking in the mirror of his love for you. You're being transformed into the same image. What image? His image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So here's the secret in living life in a new covenant environment. Our faith is for our righteous position. That's what Paul talks about throughout the book of Romans. By the way, your pastor, even last Sunday on TV, I watched him. I watch you guys, you know, when I'm in town. And uh, I tell you, it was awesome teaching. But I tell you what, your faith in following Jesus puts you in a place to see him and what he's done on your behalf. And his work qualifies you eternally because of his love. And you're transformed into his very image. So here's what I tell people who are always in the duty-free shop. Not that they're doing bad. Not that they're rank, terrible sinners, but sometimes people do things that they didn't want to do or they sin, they fail. I say, come on. Why do you want to live in condemnation and burden yourself, qualifying yourself based on yourself? Just look to Jesus. Look to the Lamb of God. Follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, he puts you in a place you can't get it on your own. You're accepted eternally before the Father. And if you keep following him, if you keep looking to him, you become like him. See, my transformation in life, even in the ministry, wasn't through all my work in the ministry. And dear God, the work, sometimes I had the wrong paradigm in ministry. I drove myself silly, working for the Lord. But now I'm resting. See, my labor is to enter into rest. Faith is a rest. It's not a work. Here's the thing. Our corresponding cooperation among the earth arena, in this earth arena, among men as we're following Jesus, does dynamic things for people. But it's all built and based on his love for us in following him completely. So I just want to encourage you today to be loved. Find yourself forgiven. Find yourself favored. Find yourself accepted. And find yourself fruitful. Let me show you one other thing real quick. Go with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Verse 11 and 12, this is the story. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 and 12. This is the parable of the lost son. It's really a parable of the lost sons, plural. Verse 11 and 12, it says this. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He wanted his inheritance early. The Bible says, so, the, so he, the father, divided to them, both of them, his livelihood. The father separated his inheritance early. You know, most people don't get an inheritance, the Bible teaches, until somebody dies. And, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people want inheritance early. And it's not necessarily all that bad to do to help people we've... We've tried to do that with our boys, not that they're going to have some huge inheritance, but to help them in their life, get them started, get them a car, help them get them a place to live or whatever. But, but this, this one boy wanted the money now. So the father said, fine. He divided it among them. Now, you know the story about the, the son that went away. He lived like a loser. He lived in the terminal of life. He would eat, drink, and be merry all for the wrong reasons. He had the wrong friends. He thought they were friends until he ended up in the pig pen, right? With no friends, eating the pig's food. And he said to himself, my father treats his servants better than this. If I go home and beg for forgiveness, my father gave me a job, but I can at least eat better than this. So his whole repentance was even built on a faulty understanding. It was kind of, it was kind of an idea of what he could get out of it, thinking if he repented and had such a long sob story, he could get favor with the father. Now, you know the story of the father never lost love for the son. And the father would now rock on the porch because the older boy had the farm. That was his inheritance. The, the father would rock on the porch and just looking every day because the love of God will draw you. Eventually, the, the boy who went away and spent all that he had on women, wine, and song, you know, he finally had enough nerve to accept that he could be accepted. He started walking. 
And you know the, the story. The father saw him from a distance. And the father never minimized him. Never said what he did wrong. Never rebuked him. The father took off running. This is the only time in Scripture you see God running. He took off running and he embraced him and lavished him with kisses that could not stop. See, most people can't see God that good. Most people think God's going to get you. Well, you don't understand that Jesus has pre-qualified you and the Father eternally. And this is why we've got to tell the whole world that no matter what you've done wrong, just turn around. Have the courage to accept that you're accepted. Come to Jesus. He restores you. He, he does everything. You notice when the kid was restored in this whole story, you know, they had a, they, they, they had a party. They were being merry. They were dancing, singing, celebrating. The, the, the brother, the older brother, never came to the party. He, he, he was in the house. There's a lot of people, you know, that are in the house or in the house of God and, and still don't know the heart of the father. So the, the father went to the older boy and said, Hey, son, I've been with you all this long. Don't you know that all I have is yours? See, some people, the boy said, I've worked for you all these years. See, a lot of people think they still qualify before the Father based on what they do. They work enough, they pray enough, they give enough, whatever it is. But you and I got to find our rest in following Jesus. Then our work is a cooperation. Our giving is a cooperation. Our prayer is a cooperation. It's a partnership with His love for us. And so I want to encourage you to be loved. Find yourself accepted in the Father and come to the place where there's perfect peace, rest, and joy. That's knowing that God loves you completely. He favors you abundantly, and He's blessing you eternally. Praise the Lord. Did you all like the word this morning? Give the Lord a shout of praise, somebody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's put, put your hands over your heart. Hallelujah. Father, these are your precious people. Right now, let them know that you love them completely. Father, let them see themselves in Jesus Christ. Let them see themselves before you in Christ. Hallelujah. What a refreshing, what a refreshing visual. We're in Christ. God sees us through the finished work. We're covered. We're righteous. We're redeemed in our spirit eternally. Awesome. Father, in our souls, in our physical realm, what we challenge now and then. Help us to keep beholding Jesus. Help us to be transformed in our soul and our physical life. Just like we have it in our spiritual life. Help us have the courage just to follow you. Let us not be too hard on ourselves. Let us find ourselves in yourself. Father, I pray for the folks this morning who are frustrated with themselves or those around them. I pray for people just irritated and agitated about life. Always beating themselves up. Always trying to qualify based on what they're doing. Father, help us to rest this morning in your love for us. And help us to have the courage to accept that we are accepted. We don't understand it, but it's the gospel truth. In Jesus Christ, we're accepted. Father, I pray this week that as we go to our jobs, our routines, that we're quickened in our inner man of your love for us. Help us to take time in the morning, in the afternoon, and in night, and just think about, God, you love me. You love me completely. Lord Jesus, I look to you, I behold you, and I see myself in you. I see yourself in me. Wow, it's refreshing. Thank you, Father, for the confidence that we have in you, that we have in you, the confidence we have in you. When we're in you and what you've done, we can ask what we will and it's granted. Father, I pray for the people's lives this day, for their marriages. I pray for their physical well-being, their health in their bodies. I pray for their kids and their grandkids. Father, help us to see people through the finished work of Jesus. Help us not just to see people for who they are because then they will always disappoint us. But help us to see each other through the finished work of Jesus and encourage one another. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let's follow Jesus. Let's look to Jesus. Let's get out of the terminal. Let's get out of these things that trouble us. Let's get out of these, these shops, these areas. 
this distract us and distort who we are in Christ. Thank you, Father, for this great church. Thank you again for Pastor Mike and Beth. Thank you that they're refreshed and blessed on their vacation, their getaway, their whole family. Thank you. Rest in your love for them. Thank you for what you're doing in this church, in this ministry, in this community, and through the, through the broadcast and around the world. Thank you, Father, that you plant people in this place where we can join our faith, love one another, and do the will of God. We thank you for your goodness and grace in this place. And friends, right now with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just, maybe you're just in the, maybe you're in the a shop, maybe you're like in the duty-free shop and you just feel like that's the way you are in life. You're really, you're saved, you're, but you're just not looking to Jesus. You're not following Jesus. Friend, I just say to you this morning, don't be too hard on yourself. It's okay. Just come on out. Come look to Jesus again. Let him love you. Let him restore you. Let him heal you. Let him take away every pain. Father, I speak that over any precious person in this place who's hurt, who's neglected, who feels they failed, who feels they screwed up, who feels they've sinned who feels they're unworthy. Let them come. Friend, right now, faith puts you there. Just deep in your spirit, just quietly in your heart, say, Jesus, I receive. And I follow you. I look to you. I look to you. Inspect him and see yourself. Inspect him and see yourself. And live. Be restored. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Hey, friends. Delighted to be here. I want to turn the service back. Heidi, I'd love to shake your hand, give you a hug. Get our magazine if you want to pray for the ministry or go online. You can get details. I have a whole series called Be Loved. It's three CDs, and it's uh, kind of my newest thought. It's my theme for the year. You'll love the whole thing. I just got it started today in the introduction. Also, my newest book came out in January. It's called Faith Additives. Grace ingredients to make your life run smooth. You don't have to run rough. You like to.